0: Welcome to Let Go, Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome to another episode of Let Go, Lean In podcast, and I am so excited today to introduce you all to a woman whom I admire. I have read her writing, and she is here to talk with us about what it means to become sage in our second half of life. Michelle Van Loon, welcome to Let Go, Lean In I'm so glad to be
1: here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation this morning.
0: Me too. We already spent a good deal of time together before pressing record, so if uh, if we laugh and giggle for you, the listener, I apologize, because we've already gotten started in our conversation, and, and we're going to now press record, so you get to hear the rest <laughs> of it. But let me formally introduce you all to Michelle and her work. Michelle Van Loon is the author of seven books, including Becoming Sage, Cultivating Maturity, Purpose, and Spirituality in Midlife. She is the founder of the website and newsletter for women in the second half life, the sageforum.com. She's been married to Bill for 43 years and is mom of three and grandmother to two teen boys midlife spiritual formation is a focus of her work and the passion of her heart all of her links will be in the show notes just want to make sure you know that but i bet you can tell why michelle is here to talk with us today (laughs) i am so glad to have you in in real life as this virtual life is so Michelle, you being the author of seven books, you're not new to the writing process. And, and I know because I've poked around on your own website that you were an early reader and you loved words. And let's just let you tell us how you came to become an author first and foremost cuz everybody feels like they want to write a book but 90% of the people never do it. You have 7. So let's hear a little bit about that.
1: Well, I tell people I just have a lot to say. Um <laughs> I and I'm not sure if quantity equals quality always. Um I'm I'm hoping quality is emerging um from the years of practice. Mm-hmm. I was i was that kid who always had her nose in a book Mm -hmm. and my mom when i was little my mom would push me out the door lock it behind me and tell me to go out and play um i that was not my favorite thing my favorite thing was the world that i found in books Mm -hmm. um so fast forward teenage angsty journaling um you know and bad poetry writing and all of the things that feel like they're throwaways but they're actually part of sometimes what can begin to form a vocation Mm -hmm. of uh, for a lot of people when i was in my early 20s i was attending church with a woman who worked for the national public radio outlet in chicago and they were producing a children's show locally it was just just for the the city it wasn't on the the radio network and she said we are always looking for scripts michelle it seems like this would be something that you would really like to do there's no money in it but it would be a fun experience for you i think i might have been writing for the church newsletter or or whatever. But Mm -hmm. there was no um, I I was just working in an office at a college I I didn't have wasn't connected to writing at all. But when she said that it was like a Klieg light went on, I (sighs) ran to the library, I checked out every book I could on writing and screenwriting and what playwriting looked like and writing for the radio immersed myself in the subject matter and wrote what I'm sure is now. I would cringe if I heard them I don't have the scripts anymore. But the station produced them. And, you know, they were just like little skits. Um, and they used Chicago public school children to be the voice talent on them. So it was really super educational in nature. <laughs> Oh, I love but that. But suddenly, in my early 20s, I had kind of a cool writing credit. And that was yeah, <laughs> not, not, it didn't match the, the quality back to that word again, that I put out. But it was, it gave me a start. And mm-hmm. I then kind of moved into playwriting for the educational market, and always kept learning. So I would submit things um, to magazines, little articles, and pitches for ideas um, using a typewriter because it was that long ago, Mm -hmm. um, and the (laughs) self-addressed stamped envelope that the editor could use to send the rejection, of which there were many. Mm. But for some reason, that internal drive in me was so strong that it did not ever this way i was like i have something more to learn from this so it sounds like i had a really strong self-image um i don't think i did but um that that desire was really strong in me to figure out how i could connect with what in a meaningful way so um that was kind of how i began to understand the nature of what a, a writer vocation was about a writing vocation.
0: I love that that you emphasize that drive that was in you. And, and and it's interesting, we haven't spoken about the Enneagram, but one of the things that I when I use that model with clients, if if they're interested in that, we talk about the things that move us forward. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about the things that we tend to avoid. And, and so to hear you in spite of rejection letters that every author that I've ever spoken to talks about the multiple rejection letters for one project, not mm-hmm. for all of their projects, but for one project. And I'm amazed at the perseverance, but that is something that moved you forward And, and so here you are today, uh, writing scripts and, and speaking into, you know, an educational space Mm -hmm. is not the audience that you have come to. And, (laughs) and, and we talked before about how there's just, you know, a little bit at a time that becomes more obvious to us. How have you come to this space where specifically you're focusing on women in midlife, Mm -hmm. which I am passionate about as well. So that this is something I really would love for you to, to for us.
1: we can't speak to people until we've kind of gone there. Mm. This is what I used to say when I was on a worship team or worship planning committees at church, like we have to worship or we can't bring anybody with us. Right. Well, in a completely different way um when i hit my early 40s it was like uh there was a menu of kind of transition and crisis moments and if you went down the menu and said i would like to order death of parents relocation kids launching um launching in very messy ways sometimes perimenopause lots of lots of transition crammed into um, Mm -hmm. a relatively short span of time and i remember thinking i don't understand what is happening to me i i dealt with Um, clinical depression. Mm -hmm. And I had no framework for that. I was always a a go-getter. My ambitions, um, which was kind of perhaps what fueled some of my response to that writing rejection, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, all of that kind of hits a wall um, for a lot of people when they hit midlife, depending on where they are and some of it is physiological Mm -hmm. some of it is spiritual some of it is social emotional um but i didn't know any of that back then i just remember like sitting in church and thinking the solution that i will hear here here from the people i respect is just do the discipleship things that you've been doing all along and that will carry you and i realized the way that we talk about discipleship is here are the practices that you use to learn to be a follower of jesus and a human being in the world Mm -hmm. in this place and time Mm -hmm. and you just keep doing them till you die at least that was the default setting in the circles that i traveled yeah and um, it did not seem to be a satisfy a fully satisfactory answer um to the dilemma that I was in. Um, I understood that those things, like they're valuable and they don't change, but life changed. Yeah. And I was changing right and the the kinds of things like how to have a successful marriage, how to figure out how to raise your children, how to serve in the church, how to serve in the community. Those were not the questions that Mm -hmm. I was dealing with. I was Mm -hmm. dealing with incredible loss, a a very dramatically changing body, um, chronic illness, although at the time I wasn't aware that it was chronic illness. It was just whatever, um, just part of what my life looked like and so i i was blessed at that moment to be working in a seminary bookstore mm. so i had access to all of the textbooks that students were reading and teachers were assigning and so like yentl if you've ever seen that that nineteen eight i think it's 1980s barbara streisand movie where she yep. kind of educates herself in secret um I started borrowing the books that had to do with human growth and development spiritual growth and development Mm. that the seminary was using and I found in one of those books a description of what spiritual growth through a lifetime what healthy spiritual growth looks like it was it's a very academic book um called stages of faith by James Fowler super boring it's like reading a phd dissertation because i think it was it may. Have
0: been. <laughs> it probably was right but it
1: it was uh a lot of light bulbs for me started mm-hmm. going off mm-hmm. um so as i started working through my own losses and dealing with grief yeah. and mental health issues and seeing a counselor and reading and talking to people who were dealing with the same questions. Nobody seemed to have an answer. Mm -hmm. Even much older veteran kind of believers that I knew were um, just like, yeah, it's hard and it'll get better. Well, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But I need to know how how to be as I'm going through this and why it's like this and why so many people in my age group, my peers are, are all kind of struggling in the same quagmire. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, in your most recent book Becoming Sage that I loved when it came out I immediately ordered a copy of it and I highly recommend it to all of you that are listening may I read a portion back to you because it really um it's it's kind of encapsulates what you were just sharing it's it's from happiness is spelled with a u oh yeah <laughs> this this um what do we do right? With all these things, because honestly, Michelle, you described what happened to me between the age of 40 and 53. Those 13 years, I I did all those things. Mm-hmm. Launched my kids and lost my parents and went through menopause and started a school and did, I mean, it was like a lot of stuff. And at this one point it was like, okay, the apple cart has been upended. And I am not just gonna pick them up and put them back in and get going again. Cause that doesn't sit well. Right. And and so anyway, your words, it's page 143. If you're feeling as though you're idling in neutral, I commend the practice of seeking out a mature faithful friend with whom you can be honest, or consider seeking out the companionship and counsel of a trained spiritual director to support, challenge, and pray with you. And you you talk about spiritual formation and practices and things, and yet I know that there are many who are not familiar with what a spiritual director is. And, and I was wondering if you would just touch on that so that people can know a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. It's becoming far more common mm-hmm. um, and accessible to people. There's, there's websites where you can kind of find somebody who's gone through some kind of training to be able to be a soul companion, Yeah, not directive they're not counselors that are there to kind of help either unpack the past or coach you into being able to figure out how to navigate your present right but they're there to be a witness and to be able to note and to recognize what god is doing in your life it is a very different experience mm-hmm. um than seeing a counselor i i continue to meet with a spiritual director once a month. um her her insight, and part of it is that it is somebody who's very um keyed in and also listening to the voice of God, yeah, for you and with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to kind of reflect back, this is what I see. This is what I notice about what you're saying about your life. um about what you're what you're thinking um i am grateful for that kind of specific and trained companion that can recognize i see god at work and when you're in the dark which midlife can often feel like when all of those losses pile up Mm -hmm. it's helpful for to be with somebody who's got the eyes of a bat you know, who can see in the dark.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that coming alongside that, that listening with and Mm -hmm. listening to, Mm -hmm. you get to, as, as, as the directee Mm
1: -hmm. and,
0: you know, we can get into the complication of language. You know, English yeah. has has some limitations, even though you know, we have lots of words. The the idea of receiving back your own words. Yes. Y- you hear them differently than when you launch them mm-hmm. out into the world. And so I I concur working with someone, finding someone who is a trained guide mm-hmm. and then finding someone with whom you connect. And, it, and it's similar to finding a counselor because not all people click with every counselor or coach. I was just, I was
1: just about to jump in there and say, yes, please. Same thing for coaching. Yeah, Coaching tends to be more directive in nature than a spiritual direct, which even though it's, kind of ironic there's our our limitations of english yes the spiritual director sounds like they're bossing you right. around or whatever they're not um yeah. uh, when you're seeing a coach um i have a couple of friends that are life coaches and now now you are yeah. part of that pantheon um they're there to help point you in a direction but without without being so prescriptive your job is also to reflect back to a client what this is what i'm hearing from you this is what i'm seeing in the choices you've made do you recognize those patterns and where where might a next step be leading you you know those are really powerful questions
0: yeah yeah they are you're you are absolutely right and the practice of listening as a trusted friend, as you, you mentioned, a mature, trusted friend, the practice of listening without formulating your answer, but mm-hmm. to really hear what's being said and to, you know, ask a clarifying question to draw out further, right? It's like um, Proverbs 2, 20 verse five I think it is if I'm remembering that so anybody who's listening you know double check the reference the address as we used to say when the boys were little but it talks about that the the plans and heart of a man are deep but a wise person draws them out and that's the kind of person that you want to connect with it is rarefied air to find that in a friend but people have learned the skills. It's an ancient practice, spiritual it, direction. It is,
1: it is absolutely an ancient practice, yeah. and I will say, if somebody's listening and they're like, "I don't even, I don't even know where to begin," a, a good first step is to pray and to ask God for for some insight. I will also say that another key relationship in my life during those dark, especially during those dark years, yeah. was that I've had a standing date with a prayer partner for more than 20 years. Oh, I love that. Every Friday morning we are on the phone talking about our lives and um it's safe. I can be fully myself because this is a trust relationship. Yeah. pray about what's going on in our lives and, um, and ask each other sometimes some hard questions. Mm -hmm. So in lieu of maybe a spiritual director and with the advent of zoom, it doesn't have to be somebody in your own community. Right. My spiritual director lives in Texas and I live in Florida. Okay. But, um, and my prayer partner lives in wisconsin so i love so that thank you lord for technology but those Absolutely. those things were as well as counseling because i was in my early 40s deeply depressed about the yeah. losses that i was experiencing and it wasn't i couldn't pep talk my way out of it yeah. um and the people at church were, you know, I was listening to seven steps of how to have a successful marriage sermons that had nothing at all to do with, you know, the molasses swamp that I found myself in emotionally.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you became a teacher, a guide yourself in, Mm -hmm. in bringing words forward to help women a group you know you formed the perennial gen which is where i first came in contact with you on a google search folks that's how that works (laughs) which is now both a noun and a verb (laughs) and not just the title of a company it's interesting how language does work that way but you saw this need this this void of of uh support within the church and, cool. and you write so beautifully about becoming the church and Mm -hmm. and how to to live outside the church walls into the world in a way in this season and I just I would love for you to encourage our listeners uh, with how that started and and what you're doing today with the sage forum which is kind of the next yes iteration
1: always something more and And there's a whole lot of engine room stuff that's not that interesting you can go to the sageforum.com website Mm -hmm. and get the backstory of how that emerged but um I had been writing and blogging about midlife issues for a long time on my own website and then for various other outlets Yeah. Uh, partly because I am a little bit of an evangelist um in light of the fact that statistically, for years we heard, oh, our young people are leaving the churches, the millennials are checking out. The stats are true about that. But guess who else is checking out? People, once they're done with their years of active parenting, find themselves often feeling marginalized or as outsiders in their churches. Yes, we can mentor. Yes, we can help lead ministries, but there's also a sense of invisibility mm-hmm. that kind of takes over particularly for women. And um I it, about 10 years ago on my own blog, I did a little completely unscientific survey and just said, if you're over 40, you know, I I grabbed some demographic information. I'm not an expert on these things. I'm just super curious. Yeah. So my key question was, are you more, less, or just as involved in your local church as you were a decade ago? And why? And I, I put, like, if you answer this, I will draw a starbucks gift card you know i was just looking to kind of incentivize people yeah. into doing my survey hoping for a few answers well i got more than 500 responses wow and i'm not i'm i'm not famous and i sure wasn't you know any more famous 10 years ago when i did the survey yeah. and um the people were just dying to be able to talk about their why Mm -hmm. and if if there was a catalyzing kind of moment in my life was watching those responses flood in at the time i was using survey monkey which was Mm -hmm. this free tool that only allowed you to get a hundred responses and i was like now i'm gonna have to buy this to read the other all these responses that i could see were coming in Worth every penny. Oh, um, yes. About half the respondents said, "Now that I have free time, I'm able to serve my church more fully, or I'm more involved in missions or serving my community." That was cool.
0: Yeah,
1: but there was the other half that were like, "I'm burned out on church politics. I'm carrying big responsibilities of caregiving. I'm in bad health. I." You know, my career has gone in directions that don't leave me the kind of time that I have. Dealing with financial trouble, we've moved, we've lost, you know, we're dealing with prodigal kids. The the list was stunning and the pain was right there. I could just feel it just oozing out of those words. I'm an Enneagram too. So, oh, yeah,
0: you felt that deeply.
1: I felt everybody's feelings for them in huge ways. So that, that kind of propelled me to keep hammering on this issue, keep asking these questions and if for no other reason to make it a discussion topic, even with a few more people. Yeah so here i
0: am so here you are and and a gift to the world because the the title of an enneagram 2 if any of you are are familiar with that it's the considerate helper and that role that you have is and the superpower that god has enabled you to have is to see the needs to feel the needs but then you have an action line to the active, um, campaigner in the eight to get things yes. done <laughs> and, yes. and you're winged to one who is, well, I'm going to reform the world and make it a better place. And the, the three who's the achiever, let's go people.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: love it when a two is emotionally and spiritually healthy because the world is a better place. So, thank you for doing your own work.
1: I don't know. I, I think I'm gaining in health. Well, but sure. it is it, not, it is um, a lifelong project. But thank yes. you very much. I feel seen.
0: Um, but... Good. That's that's an important thing. I think for yeah. all of us to feel seen, because back to that uh, half of the people that responded to your survey and feeling marginalized and and unseen. Right. There, there are many of us who come to a place in life and we look around and it's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because right. it's not filling me up anymore. It's not moving me forward. It's not drawing me into this second half life to right. use Richard Rohr's words. Yes. And and of what do we do? And, and so connecting with the sage forum is a great starting place. And again, the links and the ways they can connect with you individually are going to be in the show notes. Um, but as we kind of wind down our conversation, which I don't want to, because I'm (laughs) enjoying talking with you so much, Michelle. Um, yeah, there's a resonance, you know, those, those chords that get completed, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I was wondering if there's like one nugget takeaway that you would encourage a woman who's just recognizing this angsty space, what, what would you encourage her with?
1: Well, I would even go deeper to say that for a lot of women, it is, it's, it's beyond angst when you mm. aren't really sure who you are anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe your marriage has ended or maybe now that your kids are gone and you're not running to band practice and soccer games and doing all of that busy mom stuff or or you're a single woman and you're realizing that some of those doors of the hopes that you had when you were a kid are now closed that that this is not a fix it quick issue this is part of the pruning process this Mm. midlife transition that goes on for a long time um perimenopause can last seven to ten years in our life before we're finally done with the tampons you know um so the the honest thing is that this is a process it's hard and that uh, being able to put language to it takes away some of the feelings of isolation particularly for Christian women yes. that are like I should just be fine and I should just quote Romans eight twenty eight to myself and Jesus is there And he Mm -hmm. is there in the pruning process. I've seen the quote a couple of places and I'm probably going to mangle it because I don't have the exact wording, but the gardener is never closer to the vine than when he's up close pruning it. Yes. The thing about the darkness of this particular period in life for so many is that God is near. Mm -hmm. But the tips and tricks and techniques the ambitions and the dreams and all of the things that fueled us in the first half kind of need to be dismantled to mm-hmm. some degree in order to build a meaningful second half yes um, and that process takes time even HGTV with its renovation shows yes it's it's they're done in an hour but in real life it takes a huge crew and many weeks or months to be able to make that change happen and um so to be patient um to to seek out good companions and if there aren't any in your life at least to put the balloon up at the air in a prayer to God and to say you know please Please send me a friend or two that can walk with me and pray with me yeah. and see who I really
0: am. Yes. Oh, that's so good, Michelle. So good. And and I am not disappointed in no. our conversation. Oh, One Iota. I it's funny because I I have ideas. I'm a 7, so I'm very enthusiastic and full of ideas and I imagine things and Sometimes they don't come out the way that I imagine them to be and there's you know the possibility of disappointment but I imagined sharing time with you And there is no iota of disappointment in in our conversation. So (laughs) I am so grateful, first of all, to God who has motivated you to speak into the lives of women in this season, because that that loneliness and, and being sidelined and all those things, it's very real, very painful. And it's important to have guides. And so thank you for being a guide to many. And and as you are listening to this, again, I'm going to say, go to com and check the notes for the ways to get in touch with Michelle and her work at the SAGE Forum. Thank you again for being here today. Such a gift.
1: The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for having me. You bet.
0: Wasn't that a delightful conversation? I have enjoyed Michelle's voice for many years now, reading her writing and listening to her speak. And it was a real treat to get to interview her and share our conversation with you. I want to encourage you in this season of life to continue to focus on your spiritual growth and formation. You have purpose for being here and you may still be discovering what that is. And in this season of the year, as 2022 is winding down, you may be reflecting on what's next. And just as you can learn more about Michelle and her work at the Sage Forum and in her books, you can also learn how to connect with other people who are like-minded in a similar season as you and be able to develop community. In that vein, I'm actually going to be offering something in the beginning of the year. Well, actually, it's not the very beginning of the year. The week that we will have the 100th episode of Let Go, Lean In will be January 17th. And during that week, I will be launching group coaching through the Enneagram you'll get to hear more about that in coming episodes as we draw the year to a close and have some invitations for reflection on the year and where you are at and where you hope to be heading. So that's coming. But I just wanted to say in these final moments, I am so grateful for you taking the time each week to listen in, to this offering it is my heart's desire to be an encouragement to you in your work your life and your faith so that you can live wholeheartedly as god has designed you so thank you for taking your precious time to listen and i would love to know if there's anything specific that you would like to learn about or a person you'd like to hear from so that I may invite them to be a guest on Let Go Lean In. Or I can do the research to find out about what you want to know more about. So please let me know either at LetGoleaninpodcast.com. There's a place to send me a connect. And you could contact me through my other website, Lisa Lewis Coaching, at my email lisa at lisa com. Thanks for being here.